and fan the flame. That's what we're going after, all right? May God get all the glory all year long in 2021. No matter the circumstance, I will look to my King. Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you and great to be worshiping, whether online or in person. And uh, man, we're lighting up the fire of who God is, making much of Him. That's our plan. We're in a series here called Fan the Flame. Fan the flame, and we're talking about what it means and what it looks like to be able to have a heart on fire for Jesus Christ, to be able to have a, a warmth inside even when it's 25 below with wind chill. And all of God's people said, like, it's a huge deal for us to be excited about our God, even in the midst of tough circumstances. And, you know, this is written by the Apostle Paul, 2 Timothy, the book we're walking through. And in fact, we went through 1 Timothy back in the fall. So seeing what Paul was writing to Timothy, this young pastor of a church at Ephesus, and, and trying to help that church along. And Paul just giving so much rich understanding of what it is for our hearts individually and as a church to be on fire for Christ. You have to remember the church at Ephesus is that church that in Revelation was told, you've lost your first love. Like this was the church that somehow had things really rocking in the beginning. And at this time that was being written to Timothy, things were going well and they were moving along a path, but there was something beginning to fade already. They were getting into ritual. They were just getting into behavior modification, whatever it might be. And that church was already on a slight fade. Man, may we never become that church. May we have a passion and a fire and a fervor for Christ that never lets down. This is a huge deal. It means that when we read God's word, it means that when we check in on where we need to be with our God, we say, Lord, rock me with what I need to know. I'm ready to go after you. I'm never letting down. I want to lean in all for your glory. And all of God's people said, that's where we're headed, all right? So we're in this series called Fan the Flame, and uh, you can turn with me, if you will, to 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 20. 2 Timothy 2, starting in verse 20. And uh, the title of the sermon today is Truth, uh, Shepherd Well. Truth. Now, if you notice, the, really we're breaking 2 Timothy down into three main sections, and the first section was all about trials. The different struggles that we may have, the different heartaches that we may move through. And now we're into truth and, and what it means to give our lives over to the truth of God's word and to the truth of his spirit working in us. So truth, shepherd well. And uh, point number one here, set yourself apart as holy, ready to be used by God. Set yourself apart as holy, ready to be used by God. He says here, starting in verse 20, now... In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable use. He says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. He starts out now, and uh, this is a connecting word. It's actually looking back a little bit into the prior uh, passage right before it in chapter two, where he was talking about the building. And he was talking about the seal of God on the foundation of God's work. He's got this kind of metaphor of the building going on. And he's talking about the assurance of the sovereignty of God at work. 
and then our call as man's responsibility. And the two of those coming together to be able to make much of God. He's like, yeah, the building, it's a huge deal. So he stays with that metaphor, this now, then connecting to the building metaphor. He says, now, in a great house, so now he starts talking about a building that would be kind of this really expensive house. That's what the word great here means. Large in size, large in value. In a great house, like if you went to visit a really well-to-do house that had some serious square footage and it was well-finished, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Like if you were to walk through a great house, you would see these really expensive, really nice elements, the, the things of gold and silver, and really they're extravagant and they're wealthy in nature. And there are also then these things of wood and clay, and those are the things that are basic and cheap, right? They're, they're maybe like super utilitarian or practical, and uh, maybe even in dire need of some care themselves. And uh, it's a huge deal that we grasp in a home. We have these things that are for decor. You know, we decorate our houses. Or, or for hospitality, like if we have somebody over, this would help them to feel a little more comfortable, right? We have these nicer things and we welcome people into that and have them sitting with us and enjoying the house. And then we also have the other, right? And he's like, we know that in the house, we have those. He says, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. Now, to be fair, he's sort of stretching the metaphor here, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on it, but super important that we grasp. He's like, some things are for honorable use, like to be hospitable, to be welcoming to others, to be celebrating what God is providing into our lives, to be able to welcome somebody into the house and have them enjoy time with you, and to be able to live well there an honorable use, and then the dishonorable use, the base, the practical, the mundane, or the filthy, even if you will. This would be the things that we would like put our garbage in, or our waste in, or even putting the human waste in. That's what he's starting to talk to or allude to here. He's like, there's parts of the house you're a little less thrilled to be showing off to the guests. And then there's other things that you do show off. And and you think about it, we even start to wrap some of those up, right? Like we'll end up taking a garbage can that maybe get kind of nasty and we'll end up putting some kind of silver wrapping around it so it looks like really nice. It can stand out on its own. And when you see it, you see kind of this aluminum exterior. And when you click this lid, the lid just slowly rises up as if to kind of hear the singing of angels as it goes, right? And it's filth, man. It's just garbage in there. But we're like dressing it up just a little bit so it looks nice in the house. He's like, just so you know, that's what we do in the house. We have some honorable things. We have some dishonorable things. That's just a metaphor, though. Let's transition it over to what he's talking about. He's like, we're talking about the church here. And there are those in the church who are worshiping God with all they've got. They're fired up. They're ready to serve him. They have a heart on fire for Jesus Christ. They can't wait to make much of him. The honorable. And then there are the dishonorable those who use their words to craft and draw attention to themselves, those who are creating some kinds of stirs and confusions. They're shifting the doctrine. Remember just last week we were looking at the doctrinal change. People were like, there's no more resurrection. And they started changing the hope of what we have in Jesus Christ. He's like, and the dishonorable use. 
those who would tend to have the filthy and the selfish and the sinful approach to the church and try to make it all about themselves. He's like, be careful. There are both within the church. Watch out. He says, therefore, and when we see the word therefore, we say, what's the word therefore? Therefore, it's a connecting word. He's like, just because of this metaphor, because of all that's going on in a house that has the honorable and the dishonorable, he says, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. If anybody finds themselves in this sinful spot, this is Paul giving a little hope. He just brought down some pretty big hammers on Hymenaeus and Philetus last week saying, hey, the doctrine that they're doing is wrong and this needs to change. He's like, if any of you find yourself in dishonorable spots where you're selfish, you're self-absorbed, you're sinful, you're coming into the church and you're looking to make the church sort of a tool for you to make you feel better about you and you're willing to step on anyone or tear down anyone, your words may even be hurtful along the way if you find yourself there. Hope. You can find yourself being cleansed from that and being declared an honorable vessel for God. He's like, if anyone cleanses himself, please note that. It does say in the actual original language, cleanses himself. So here he's not talking about that amazing transformational work that God does, right? Only God can do that. Just say only God. Only God brings this amazing transformation of the heart where we have this horrible, wicked selfishness inside, but we end up all of a sudden seeing the light of who Jesus Christ is, God changing that. That's a God changing work, but it does require us to cooperate along the way. And while we may have some ability, some enablement, some empowerment from God, we do still have to cooperate and move with that. He's like, make sure you do that. Cooperate with God as he's working in your life. This one is talking about the cleansing we have just by choosing the things we're a part of and the things we're not a part of. By the choosing of the words we would say and the words we would avoid by striving to be able to lift someone up when you see them at church, and by striving not to tear someone down just to make yourself feel a little better. It's like, let's make sure that we cleanse ourselves. We put ourselves in a good spot where we are going after the things that honor Jesus Christ. We're gonna see a little bit in point number two about how to do that and how to go after that. He's like, let's make sure that we recognize God can do some serious disinfecting and if you're seeing some dishonorable use in your own soul, hand it over to your God. Watch him do a work and cooperate along with him. Hand your life to him. May God get all the glory. May he redeem. May it no longer be for self. He says, if you cleanse yourself, you'll be a vessel for honorable use. Like now all of a sudden you're one of those helping lift up the church. You're one of those bringing the words of Christ to bear in people's souls and bringing a confidence and a hope along the way. He says, then you will be set apart as holy, useful to the master, ready for every good work. There's something that happens when God does a work in us, but there's something more that happens when we actually cooperate with and we hand our lives to him. 
And as God doing something in us, awesome, life-changing, but then we end up setting ourselves out there and saying, I'm going after this now. I'm going to go after what celebrates my king. There is something that happens of a fanning of the flame. And the fire just starts igniting and a passion and a hope just starts raging. And man, I'm telling you, if you have been in God's word where you read through it real quickly and you're like, and I'm done. And then you go out and you go after whatever just feels good for the day. Man, I'm telling you, you're drifting through life and you're beginning to fade off. Please hear me. May we lean in. May we cry out. May we look for what God's calling us to. May we be an encouragement to others. May we set ourselves apart. May we be cleansed by our own choosings. And may God start to do a work that reveals we can be vessels of honorable use. And may we be those gold and silver elements throughout the house that welcome someone in. And all of God's people said, it's a huge deal, man. It's a metaphor that just says, let's make sure we hand our lives to our king and let him do something amazing with it. Imagine this. Imagine um, my wife and I invite you over to the house. We're going to have you over for dinner. And as we invite you in, it's, it's 25 below outside as you step inside. Uh, we close the door real quickly. We've already got the fireplace running. So there's this nice warmth in the room. And as you take your coat off, we've got a place to hang that, putting that in the closet or whatever. And we sit down in front of the fireplace. You can feel the warmth just sort of coming off of it. The, the candles are lit around the house. We've got the lights down, not down too much. It's not creepy, but just enough. You know what I mean? And like, we're just enjoying it a little bit. And, and as we're sitting there chatting, my wife's like, hey, would you like some tea? And she goes over and she turns on this amazing aluminum teapot. And uh, it's got this magic thing you can set on it to tell it the exact temperature you want. And we set it for 145 degrees for this specific tea. So it tastes exactly like it should for you. And, and she brings this tea over to you and you're sipping on that. And we're just chatting. We're laughing and we're enjoying. Now it's time for the meal. And we go over and we sit down at the dinner table and there's some floral up on the dinner table there and some candles maybe and we're chatting. It's like, this is nothing like what our house normally is. But just, that's what it's like, okay? And we're sitting there with these florals and these candles and we're just enjoying a chat together. And, uh, and uh, by the way, my wife's at home. The house looks awesome, okay? Everybody just say it looks good. I didn't mean to just tear our house down. It looks cool. But this is the, in the metaphor here. You've got the candles. You've got the flowers. And we're enjoying. And we bring over this china. And we set it down. And we've got this great china. And I go out to get the steaks off the grill. They're cooked perfectly. If you like rare, it's rare. If you like medium, it's medium. I start bringing it in. I reach over to go get the plate for it. It's not there. So I grab the trash can lid. I pick it up off the garbage trash can lid. Slap them down on there. I bring it in. I'm like, all right. Who wants the rare? And as I start to pick it up, you can see the crud on the bottom of this trash can lid as I start to serve it up and you're like, no thanks, I'm good with salad, right? The reality, he's like, man, don't have so much of your house for honorable use and then start using the dishonorable and tearing it all down. He's like, don't serve up steak on a garbage can lid. He's like, don't, don't let the church be all of a sudden something that has all these dishonorable elements in it. Be careful. Get it all cleaned up. Hand it over to your king. 
Man, may even the serving trays be glorious and perfect in that regard. He's like, let's make sure our church is ready to rock for Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, so simple question. How are you doing at being honorable for your king? Right? How are you doing at being cleaned up for him and handing yourself over to him? Let's get really specific. So what words or what behavior need to go? What in your life is really tearing others down or even tearing yourself down and not giving God the glory? Man, may we hand our lives to our King. And all of God's people said, he's like, first set yourself apart as holy. Now point number two, patiently and gently correct those in sin. Patiently and gently correct those in sin. The first point was all about how we deal with ourselves and our own sin. The second point is really about how we deal with our friends and those around us and the sin that they may be struggling in. So as he starts out, he's like, let me just make it a little more clear about yourself and how to cleanse yourself and set the example for others. He says, so flee youthful passions. Flee youthful passions. The word flee, it means to run. It means to avoid. It means to get away from. I'm not sure if you know this, but the welling up within you that says, I just have to have it, and it's some sin, whatever it is, Whatever it has to do with, whether it's words or how you use your body, something welling up that's like, I just got to have it. Like that welling up of the selfishness of the flesh, if you will, inside. Scripture never says, stand strong against that flesh banging. Hang on, be tough. Doesn't say that. Did you know that? Everywhere in Scripture, run. Get out of there. When the weakness is inside and welling up, that is not the time to try to stand there and go, I got this. Like this big flexing moment. It's cool. I'm going to be cool. I'm going to tough this out. Right? We call it muscling it. We're like, I'm not going to bend. I'm not going to break to that. I'm telling you, you'll just fall under that pressure. That's what will happen. The best move is when the welling up is happening, you try to figure out why this environment right now is causing that welling up. And you get out of there. Maybe it's because I'm alone, then I'm done being alone. Maybe it's because I'm in a certain environment or I'm watching something content-wise or I'm whatever it is, done with that. You have to be artful at fleeing youthful lusts, the self rising up within, trying to figure out what needs to go in your own life so that you can step away and say, Lord God, I am, in these words, cleansing myself. I'm setting myself apart for you and for your glory. Flee the youthful passions, that raging and banging within the soul. And don't listen, run. That's what he's talking about. He says, pursue righteousness and faith and love and peace. Pursue righteousness and faith and love and peace. These are all characters of God, right? He's like, pursue the perfect righteousness and pursue the trustworthy 
that faith and faithfulness of God. Pursue the caring and the sacrificial, the love of God, and pursue the calm even in the midst of the storm. That's peace. By the way, a lot of people would describe peace as calm, and they got half of it. God-honoring peace is calm in the midst of a storm. Now that's seriously divine peace. Being able to weather even the greatest of storms. He's like, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Know your God and pursue your God with all you've got. Follow after him. It says, along with those who call on the name of the Lord or on the Lord from a pure heart. Along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Notice these that you're running along with, they're mature. They're saved. They're following after Christ himself. They're committed. They've got a heart that beats after God. In other words, here's what he's saying. Make sure you make a distinction between friend and ministry. Like there may be people that you're hanging around with where you're longing to influence them and share with them the greatness of Jesus Christ. But you're not leaning on them hoping they keep you strong in your walk. You know they right now aren't even sure who Christ is. You do need friends in your life that call on the Lord. They follow after the Lord. They worship the King with all they've got. And together you all are walking with Jesus Christ. Man, this is a call for all of us. Everybody just say all of us. This is an all of us call to wrap arms around with each other and to lock arms and say, we're doing this together. I got you and you got me. Let's do this together. And this isn't an individual call. This isn't an independent call. This is a together call along the way. All of us. May we hand our lives to our king. And uh, now he starts turning towards how we interact with others and their sin. He says, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. Now remember, he just got done saying, flee youthful lusts. So he's not just slamming the guy next to you, you know. He's not like, just point to them and say, your youthful, your ignorant controversies are annoying to me. I'm going to have nothing to do with you. He's not saying, be rude and abrupt with another. He's like, make sure you get away from sin wherever it is. Flee your own youthful lusts. And now he's talking about with others, have nothing to do with the foolish, ignorant controversies. Man, be careful to avoid the quarrels or the words, the irreverent babble, if you will, from last week's passage. Make sure you're avoiding the topics that lead to sin. That can be seriously hard in the years 2020 and 2021. Like the words that are going on, make sure you're careful of what you join in with around the water cooler. Make sure you understand what things in this world tend to degrade down in to an immediate attacking, whining, complaining. It's sinfulness. It's just over. And be careful with that. Longing not to put yourself in that spot. Man, we need to be able to avoid the things that we know are going to lead to just words that tear down. Let's put it this way. It's like you're driving down the road and you can see the sign that says dead end or construction ahead. 
right? Make sure you read the road signs and read them well. So as you're coming along and the road sign says, look out, dangerous conversation ahead. You're able to figure that out. You're like, I'm not going to hang around for this. It's going to go sideways. Look, man, you don't have to make the biggest thunderous statement in the world. Like raising your, that's it. I'm not going to hang around you guys if you're going to talk like this. You don't have to have that moment. But it literally is just this. Hey, man, it's good to see you guys. And you move on. And you're going to go somewhere else where you're chatting and you're encouraging and you're lifting it up. You don't have to be this big, violent teardown, but you certainly don't want to be the long-standing participating in the nasty conversations that are tearing others down. He said, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. He's like, make sure you recognize that while you're staying away from others who may bring the bad words, you yourself need to not bring the bad words either. Man, make sure that your words, do you realize how often the largest sin in the church is words? Make sure your gossip is stopping. Make sure you're attacking, you're judging, you're having had enough with fill in the blank. It's being closed down. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. And here he's talking also about doctrine. He's like, be careful of the choices of words you use about what God's word says. Man, our job as a follower of Christ is not to try to find the little nuance and be the disagreer, like we said last week. Saying something to get people to follow me instead of following leadership. Follow me instead of following the word. Follow me instead of following God. Man, that's where the error is at. May we be careful to not be quarrelsome. I'll even go this far. May we be cautious about what we do with our social media contact. Watch out for each of your generations of social media contact and whatever it is you're on. Be careful of the words you're taking in and be careful of the words you're pouring out. Be careful of the images you choose to post and make sure you're ready to make much of your God. Man, make sure you put yourself in a cleansing myself spot ready to be used for honorable things. Lord, if there's something in me fanning the flame on selfishness, down with that. Lord, I'm ready to worship and praise you. I'm putting myself in a helpful spot. I can't tell you how many times I have seen strong, harsh words be used on something in social media, trying to just maybe make a comment and it ends up tearing down. I mean, honestly, I have not been on social media for quite some time just because of that. Just be cautious on what you're doing and where you're at and what you're participating in and what your words are saying. Quarrelsome. You know, when you stand toe-to-toe with somebody and tell them, "Uh uh-uh, this is the way I see it. And you start going head-to-head with each other. And uh, make sure that you rep Jesus Christ well. Make sure that we grasp who he is and what he's about, and may we let our words and our actions go after him. He says, but be kind to everyone, able to teach. Kind, like gentle and clear, understanding. What you're saying is for their good. So let me just ask you this question. I wrote these words down this week. question I came up with. And do you speak in order to get Or do you speak in order to give? 
Just let that settle. Do you speak in order to get or do you speak in order to give? When you talk, are you speaking in order to, listen to me, listen to my story. No, no, dude, you got to hear this. Listen to what I have to share with you. Isn't my family awesome? Isn't my work awesome? Isn't my life awesome? Listen to me. I need you to hear this. We're just trying to get some sort of appreciation from them, liking of them, them wishing they had a little what we had. No, listen to this. As we tell, we're actually trying to get. I want you to give me some respect. Something like that. Or maybe your words are just controlling. No, do this, do that. You're trying to get it that way. I want you to move over here, right? Are you using your words just to get? Or are you using your words to give? Like, man, it's so refreshing to just spend a little time with you. I so appreciate your viewpoint on things. Thanks a lot. Like, just a little encouraging word. Dude, that is awesome. Where did you pick that up from? Seriously? That's cool, man. I've learned a lot just by what you said there. Whatever the words there might be, you say. Being able to share where you're willing to receive some of what they're saying and you're listening well enough that you could actually repeat a little of it. That was really important phrase I just said. And just so you know, a lot of the wives are nodding their head, yes. Like, and we're listening so that we could actually repeat a little of it. Listening is not just keeping it quiet in the room so that the other's voice can be heard. That's not listening. That's being quiet. Listening, like I'm taking in what you're saying, I'm hearing it, and I can feed it back to you a little bit. Right, so this is what's important to you. I got it. I get where you're going with that. Why does that mean so much to you? Whatever, that kind of interaction. Your words lifting up the other person. Are you giving some level of encouragement, appreciation, even guidance if they're asking for it? Are you giving and listening along the way? Or do your words strictly try to get and really evaluate yourself and what you're doing along the way? He says, be kind to everyone, even able to teach. That's the giving part. He says, patiently enduring evil. I'm just going to tell you this phrase. This is one of the hardest, if not the hardest phrase in this book for me. Patiently endure evil. It doesn't say patiently endure slightly annoying little things. We all can pretty much do that. Patiently endure horrifically bad things. In fact, this is built from one word in the Greek. And the second part of the word, the word evil there, it means evil or suffering or bad of any kind, when this world washes on your shore, when the sin of another washes on your shore, when the taking of another washes on your shore, be patient. Patiently enduring. Now, please be careful what it does not say, and we'll see it in just a second. It doesn't say, everybody say not. It does not say, just let it all go. Say nothing, never confront. It doesn't say that. We'll see that in just a second. But it does say patiently endure. Being able to listen or take or be a part of something where someone is stealing, whether it's stealing from your time, stealing from your credit, stealing from something from you, and it's washing on your shore. 
or maybe they're actually being directly harsh. It's causing hurt in you physically or emotionally and being able to be patient in that. Man, this is not easy. I'm just telling you, I have found it's much more easy for me to be patient when the world washes on my shore, broken things in this world, broken ribs, right? Had that in the fall, broken ribs or COVID or whatever. Those kinds of things come in and I'm like, I can actually patiently endure that okay. But when the sin of another starts touching you, you start wondering why they did that. And it's, it, I don't know about you, but that gets way in my head more. Like what's going on and what's up with our relationship and where are we at with that so tears me down. I'm getting a look from you like, really, that's too bad for you. You're weak. Like, I don't know. Are you with me on that? Do you feel that? The pain and the sin of another person can really tear us down. This scripture is literally saying, patiently endure the heartache and the hurt. The worst thing that somebody could do to you, patiently endure. Move through that without losing your cool. Respecting your God along the way. And this is a hardcore set of words and a big calling. And he says, correcting his opponent with gentleness. Correcting his opponent with gentleness. So it doesn't mean endure like just take it all and walk away. There are moments to speak in and to share up. Correcting, but with gentleness. Like, we got to be careful of the words we use. Like, name-calling is not what we bring in here, right? Like, if you tend to have name-calling as sort of a tagline to get somebody to sort of move, you like to sting them a little to move them, don't do that, man. Be careful of your word choice. And the descriptions used, just so you know, really flowery adjectives can be great if you're talking nice to someone, but when you're angry... Those words can be devastating, and that might sit with them for a long time. Be super cautious of the words you choose. Just getting it really clear and really simple as to where you're at, and being able to share with them the hurt that you have and what you're calling them to. It's a huge deal. Your tone means everything, right? Like, I can be asking, somebody can say something to me, and I'm just, just asking a real question, and I can be like, What? And what I just asked is, I'm sorry, I missed that. Could you repeat that, right? I'm, what? Or I could say, what? Those are very different answers. But in the, in the manuscript, all it says is, and then he said, what? Right? You're like, what? I just said what? That's all I said. I just said what? Like, no, you didn't. You said it like super nasty to me, right? Have you ever had those kind of conversations? And you're like, I didn't say it that nasty. And you're like, you're yelling at me now. Have you ever had those kinds of interactions? Like it just escalates, right? Careful with the words, with gentleness, in tone, and in word choice. And I'll just say it this way. And do you speak to decrease your own frustration? Or do you speak to increase their worship? That's a super big deal. Do you speak to decrease your own frustration? Like you're just letting off some steam. Just capped off a little bit. Now I feel better. To decrease your own frustration or to increase their worship? You're trying to walk them closer to their God. Dude, that's a huge deal. What is my motive right now? Just letting a little steam off. I want you to know I'm hurt. Maybe we need to hold on that, right? Be careful. 
All right, he says, and God, if you've corrected them, if you've come to them with gentleness, God may perhaps, everybody say perhaps. Dude, that's a huge word. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of truth. These people are saved. They know who Jesus Christ is. They're being talked to about what's hurting. And God might perhaps grant them repentance. Did you know that? That even our very repentance is a work that God does in our lives. Dude, this is a huge verse. And by the way, if you're talking to someone, if you're counseling someone, if you're advising someone, and they're wrestling with sin, just so we're clear on this, it doesn't say, and you may perhaps lead them to repentance. Everybody say, it doesn't say that. Well, this is a God work, and God may perhaps grant them repentance. Your job is not to get them to repent. You're sharing the truth gently. The work is all God's in their soul. That will change every parenting talk with a child. That will change every leader talk with their employee. That will change every friend talk, every spouse talk. I am not trying to move you. I'm just sharing these words and I want you to know and I'm praying that God perhaps would grant you the sharing and repentance of getting it. And that is a massively different approach than I'm going to use my words and my volume to get you to move where I want you to be. May we be cautious with our words. He says, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil. From the snare of the devil. What's the snare? That it's all about self. What's the snare? That it's all about me. My self is rising up. My rage is happening and I have to let it out. And right? The snare of the devil as you try to manipulate or control another. And he says, after being captured by him to do his will. In other words, we often become a toy of Satan. Where he plays with our hearts and he plays with our words and he pushes us down and he twists us around so that we start to whine or we start to complain or we start to attack. We unleash and Satan accomplished a little something. His goal is to take your home and stir it up a little. To take your life and stir it up a little. To take this church and stir it up a little. Man, may we cry out for his mercy. May we long for his work in our life. Lord God, bring the repentance. Cleanse my soul. You do a work in me. Man, may we hand our lives to him saying, Lord, I am ready. I'm ready for my own soul to be shepherded. And I'm ready very gently to suggest to another that they move along in following you and it's all up to you and what you do with their heart and their life. May we gently move through this world worshiping our King. Everybody just say gently. That's the call. May we love our God as we love those around us. And all of God's people said, let's pray.